Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and thanks for being here with us on this Sunday morning for Mile High Magazine. And, you know, I've had the pleasure of talking with Kristen Harness uh, a few times now, and I'm always learning something new. Kristen is the founder and the CEO of Extended Hands of Hope and Simply Good Cakery. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you for being here. Like I said, I'm always learning something every time we talk, and it is sex trafficking. It's something that we need to talk about, and we need to make Mm -hmm. more awareness. But first, to find for people what sex trafficking is, because I think a lot of times we hear the term, but we don't know exactly what it really means. Sex trafficking, according to federal law, requires force, fraud, or coercion that um, it makes somebody commit a sexual act. Now, if that victim is under the age of 18, any, any child under the age of 18 who is involved in the commercial sex industry can also be considered a victim of sex trafficking. So if they're under the age of 18, you don't have to prove force, fraud, or coercion. If they're over 18, you have to prove that in order for it to be considered human trafficking. One of the things that surprised me as I've interviewed you numerous times is it is a huge problem all across the country, all across the world, Mm -hmm. and that means here in Colorado, too. Yep. Yes, that's true. Tell me what Colorado looks like as far as sex trafficking goes. So we know that sex trafficking is a problem all over the country, all over the world. But tell me specifically for our state here in Colorado, um, I know it's a problem, but how big of a problem are we talking? Yeah, Colorado, unfortunately, has a really big problem with sex trafficking um, in adults, but also in minors. We have some of the highest reported instances of child sex trafficking in the nation, um, which is super disturbing and a lot of people, you know, don't realize that that's the case, but, and it's really happening all over the state. So it's not just, you know, like in downtown areas or in the city, it's happening in the suburbs, it's happening in rural areas. Um, so it's really just throughout the state, a really big problem here. Why do you think that is? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I think that we have some of the highest reported instances because we are, as a state, kind of on the forefront of this topic of sex trafficking. And, and what I mean is we are really good at identifying what sex trafficking is. And so um, we're seeing higher reported instances because we're able to identify that this is sex trafficking versus it being reported as something else, like let's say prostitution or um, some other crime. And so that that just really ups our, um, our reports of trafficking happening here. Okay. I think that, you know, we, we had really high amounts of trafficking because we didn't have the best laws. But over the last three, four years, our laws have um, have really improved in regards to protecting the victim and going after the, the buyers and going after the traffickers. So I think that hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit of a decrease in the amount of children being trafficked and exploited. But some people also say, you know, because we have high, you know, I-25 and I-70 and we have an international airport, Mm-hmm. So all of those kind of factors can also contribute to people being trafficked. Um, in in regards to children being trafficked, though, within Extended Hands of Hope, you know, we 
we provide aftercare and we work with girls um, who most of them, nine out of 10 girls, were born and raised right here in Colorado, so they're not necessarily being trafficked. Well, you were just saying that the girls that, that you work with at Extended Hands of Hope were born and raised here in Colorado. So it kind of leads mm-hmm. me to my next question about who are the victims then? Yeah, unfortunately, most of the girls, they, they were. They were born and raised right here in Colorado. Um, we have worked with some girls that are either from other states or from other countries. But, you know, the girls, they're, they're probably not what you would typically think of all the time. They, they come from and live, like, all over the state. So we've worked with girls who are from Denver, who are from Highlands Ranch, from Arvada, Boulder, you know, Adams County, and, um, and, and all the different cities and counties. And so the average age of entry into the commercial sex industry is about 14 years old. Um, for the girls that we work with, we work with girls ages 11 to 17, and most of the girls are around that age of 14, so typically around 12 to 15 um, is the age of the girls that we're working with. So so really young mm-hmm. girls. And how did the traffickers, how did they, I guess, proposition them? How did they get a hold of these young girls? I mean, that's terrifying as a parent to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another uh, great question with another complicated answer. But uh, some of the girls, a large chunk of the girls that we've worked with were trafficked by their own parents. Oh, my gosh. So we had a young girl who was sold by her own mom because her mom had a a drug addiction. And so in exchange for selling her her daughter for sex, um, she was getting drugs in return. So it could be it could look like familial trafficking is what that's called. Right. Um, Trafficking is happening within gangs. So we have a, a rise of organized crime and gangs happening in the Denver area. These kiddos are also, they're being groomed uh, and recruited online through social media. So being exploited and trafficked through uh, the foster care system or in the foster care system or within, you know, systems and institutions that really should be working to protect Right. Kids are instead, fortunately, exploiting and trafficking these girls within those systems as well. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking to hear. And it seems like it's coming from so many different places bombarding these kids. As a parent, what are some of the warning signs? What are some of the red flags that parents can be watching out for in other cases where maybe it's a predator, um, a trafficker trying to get these kids online or something like that? Right. Yeah, if you're a parent and you are... Hopefully, God willing, engaged in your child's life, you are present. Um, Some things you want to look out for is you definitely want to monitor their social media. Social media is one of the fastest growing ways for traffickers and perpetrators to try to connect with with youth and with children. Mm -hmm. So even with my kids, we have an app that we've installed on our phone so we can see all of the different you know, applications and where they're going online, um, how long they were on, all that kind of stuff. So we can really monitor what's going on with these kids online. Some other things to look out for is if your daughter or your son now has 
an older boyfriend who is in the picture who's buying them, you know, presents. Maybe mm-hmm. your daughter is now coming home with her nails done or she has a new purse or she's coming home now with, like, a new tattoo. Mm. Um, those are definitely red flags to look out for because she may be um, in the process of being groomed by a trafficker. Um, also, just, you know, looking for is your child becoming um, depressed, unusually depressed? You know, are they um, skipping class? Or is there just kind of new, you know, maybe they're dressing in a, in a different manner than before? Okay. Um, so something that's kind of out of the ordinary for your child, um, you know, you definitely want to ask questions and you want to you see um, if you can find out if there's something deeper going on in that child's life. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that you've shared with me before that always, I mean, it bothers me on such a huge level, but it's good for folks to learn about who these buyers are because they're not who I thought they would be when you first told me about them. When you told me about a dad who might have two young kids, I was floored. So explain yeah. to folks who the buyers for these young children can be. Yeah, it's quite awful and really discouraging to hear about. Um, so unfortunately, you know, talking about the buyers is a really big deal because buyers are what drives the demand for sex trafficking. Right. So if there wasn't a demand, if there weren't, you know, the majority, 99% of buyers are, are men. If there wasn't men who was demanding sex with children, then the traffickers would not have an opportunity to make money. And so there wouldn't, you know, girls wouldn't need to be trafficked and exploited. Right. Um, so the last, you know, statistic that I heard when I was sitting in a training with law enforcement um, and what I've mentioned before, and I have to gather is, um, going to be on point with real-time data now is the average typical buyer here in Colorado is a Caucasian male in his 40s, married with two children, an income around seventy dollars to $100,000 a year. So that's kind of a typical buyer. However, buyers are from all over. Buyers are, and I'm talking about here in Colorado, but also you know nationwide and worldwide, You've got um, pastors that are buying sex with children. You have um, teachers, coaches, your neighbor. Um, It's really kind of this typical kind of Mr. Normal, we would say, somebody that you would never think Mm -hmm. is actually purchasing sex with children. The executive, you know, guy uh, working downtown. It's just kind of the that you wouldn't think are buying sex are actually buying sex from children. Oh, my and gosh. And quite frankly, um, the guys who you may think, you know, like, oh, yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me. It's, you know, it's kind of it can be those guys, too. It's hard to hear because what you're describing sounds like so many suburban dads, neighbors that we all have. Yes. Yes. That is the that's the reality. Yeah, that that I mean, that one shocks me every time you say it. And then you even have more data this time about these are successful men. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, that's just that's just the average. Right. We're, we're talking, you know, we've heard the stories about, you know, Epstein and, and billionaires and millionaires. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got people from that class all the way down to people 
um, in lower classes, right. financially and everybody in between. Well, tell me about the work that you do at Extended Hands of Hope. And has COVID-19, has it affected you as far as with your money raising and the work that you're trying to do? Yeah. Well, what we do at Extended Hands of Hope is we've been around for almost seven years now. And we offer safe housing and supportive services to survivors of sex trafficking. Um, And we have kind of four main programs. We have the Avanti House Program, which is a safe home for girls ages 11 to 17, have all different kinds of you know programming services treatment but really it's a place for these girls to experience safety and experience love you know with nothing no strings attached nothing mm-hmm. in return right um, and then we also have a license school called forward learning academy a lot of these kiddos are way behind in school and so we're really just trying to recover you know credits or get them kind of closer to the grade that they should be before they transition out of our program. Mm -hmm. And then we also have some community programs. So we have a community advocacy program that's been around for almost two years now. And then we also have a mentoring program called Carriers of Hope. And that program is really special. It's led by volunteers. And they're there, again, to just surround that girl with a positive relationship in their life. And then we also have the entrepreneurship program. And so of COVID, mm-hmm. yes, COVID has absolutely impacted us. It was a huge slap in the face for us in many different ways. Within about 30 days of COVID, you know, really kind of coming out to the public, um, we were down in monthly donations like 33%. Okay. So we saw a significant hit. Um, people were losing their jobs. And the kind of sure. the last thing, and, I, and totally understandable, my husband lost his job. Mm-hmm. One of the last things we do is we don't give to charity anymore, you know. We also saw some good stuff happening, though. Um, We were able to get all the money we needed to purchase the Avanti house. That's exciting. Uh, That is some good news. Yeah, because the last time I was on the show, I think I was talking about how we get money for this land. So we we own Avanti house and the 10 acres it sits on free and clear. We paid cash. I love it. That was like a miracle that happened. Um, during COVID. Well, listen, congratulations. I'm glad that's going well. I know for a lot of folks who do want to help out and who just have a real heart for the mission that you're doing right Mm -hmm. now here in Colorado, how can they make a donation? How can they help you? Um, I would love to have everybody come to our Eat Up Denver. It's our sixth annual Eat Up Denver. It's happening on September 25th, and we're going to be outside in the park. We're going to have masks. We're going to be social distancing, but the Hazel Miller Band is going to be there. We're going to have a picnic-style dinner. It's in Highlands Ranch. There's information on our website. And then they can also go to our website just to make a donation. All right. Well, Kristen Harness, what is that website one more time for Extended Hands of Hope? ExtendedHandsOfHope.org. Well, thank you so much. We will talk again. Thank you so much. I'm Melissa Moore. It's Mile High Magazine. Thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning. And for more information on Extended Hands of Hope, once again, go to their website. We'll also have the links up on the station website. So go out, have a great Sunday, and be kind.